Well, uh, hello everyone. We've got Jeff Koga. Um, how do I introduce Jeff? I'm going to freestyle this, but uh, I'm going to say the OG, uh, an author, uh, investor, educator, someone I've personally learned so much from over the years. Um, one of the founding fathers of creative solutions for acquisitions, investing, wholesaling, streamlining, um, you know, and just being a driving force in, in real estate innovation. How's that? Jeff Koga, welcome. You're making me blush. Can you see? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the Asian glow while you're doing the interview. So, uh -oh. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. Awesome to have you. I'm going to do a quick, a little quick background on how we know each other. I think we met about seven or eight years ago when your team was like crushing it uh, in the wholesale industry. You're like the authority. You were educating people. Uh, before all these little wannabes started popping up every other day from the Than Merrill, uh, um, you know, um, little situation that they're doing there. I'm, I remember having uh, 11 transactions in the pipeline with you guys uh, before even meeting you in person. That's how that's how efficient your automation machine was. And I remember taking your whole team out to Mastro's in Beverly Hills to finally meet you guys in person. That's, you remember that? Was that the first time? That's right. I do remember. That was yeah. fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, yeah that was really <laughs> fun. Yeah, we had the, so, I don't even know what it was, but we had like the, the smoking app. I don't know. It was an appetizer. We had everything. Yeah. yeah, we had everything. Yeah. We had everything. I was like, hey, my treat. Great. Have everything. Yeah, it was great. Um, by the way, we might have uh, some people, well, Rob Torres and some people from your old team. So let's, let's get into the first question. Uh, tell us your journey, how you got started. Um, who you are, who you were, where you okay. going? Um, I started my real estate career in 2004. Um, that's when I bought my first uh, investment property. It was a flip. Um, I was 19 at that time. Um, and it was actually in a place called uh, Canyon Country. So Santa Clarita, um, if anyone's out there. And so um, I got that actually watching one of those late night infomercials. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was late night, picked up the phone and followed what was in the book and uh, pretty much got calls coming in for like distressed sales and didn't know what I was doing, but followed kind of like the books, you know, hey, ask these questions, do this, do that. And I ended up going out there and I always tell the story. It's kind of funny, which is uh, the seller uh, was an actress. And so when she said, I'm an actress, I said, really? And then ask you the questions. And there it goes, it goes like, so you have to ask them, so why did you fall behind on your payment? So I was like, why'd you fall? He's like, I got laid off. And she was like, okay. And she's like, eh, all right. And then, so you've been in any movies? And then um, she's all like, well, the adult kind, you know? <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, that area is notorious for obviously, you know, kind of, you know, that thing. And so, you know, me being 19, I'm just like, uh, okay, man, I got, I, and that time I lived in a San Gabriel Valley place called West Covina. Um, so I'm just like, I got to drive out there and go see this property. So I'm excited. You know, I'm telling my friends about it and I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm about to go see this. I'm going to make millions on this. This is my first deal. And I get there. And as I'm approaching, right, I'm nervous, hand sweating with contracts that I printed out uh, from the actual book. So it's probably wasn't even state compliant. Um, and then I realize, uh, you know, I I'm just like, man, ooh, she's kind of good looking. And then as I got closer, uh, uh, my nervousness went away because I realized it was kind of like good from far, but, you know, far from good kind of situation. I don't know if you ever heard that term before. And so I went up there and I said, hey, her name was Marla. I was like, hey how's it going? This is Jeff. And she's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? And then, uh, she walked me inside and that's when you get, I call it the money sniff. Um, when that sniff of, when you enter a door, it just like 
like it's like a Tyson's right hook, like, you know, or uppercut, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? Boom, hits you, it just stinks. And um, <laughs> I saw eyeballs on the wall. All right, eyeballs on the wall. And I don't know what it was until later on, I found out my friends were just like, yeah, she was probably on drugs. And, uh, you know, they're like, she was probably cracked out or whatever. But long story short, I ended up uh, getting the contract, um, rehabbing it, buying it, rehabbing it and flipping it and made like 55,000. So that was kind of my, you know, taste of the real estate game. And I rolled the market up doing 80-20 loans pretty much um, at that, you know, because I bought my first one on 80-20. And, <laughs> and so zero money out of my pocket. And then when the market turned, um, I literally lost everything. Um, to a point where I lived out of my car. And uh, at that time, I was, you know, I even went back to work at a corporate job at the bank. And um, I was doing real estate still on the side. And I was trying to figure out what to do. Because the only way I knew how to make money was like rehabbing. And then that's when I kind of figured out how to do something called wholesaling or creative investment. And uh, um, I got deep into the short sell game at that time, really deep and build up a pipeline over like 50 plus short sales. Um, and then started doing back to back closes on short sales with using transactional money. Um, that was very popular. Um, and then as the market started shifting and turning, we picked and choose uh, homes to rehab homes to develop and kind of tradition, you know, transitioned into uh, the idea was to say, Hey, build up a company that can actually trade in the stock market. That was kind of like the, the one of the ideas I had and I wanted to, and I remember my mentor, his name is Bart. He passed away now. His name is Bartro. Um, and he would say, Jeffy boy, you know, real estate, real estate. It's, it's a difficult labor intensive business, hard to scale. And I'd be like, well, just watch me. I'm going to do it. And he was like, just ask yourself, is there any publicly traded, you know, house flipping wholesaling company in, in the stock market? And I, and I was like, no, there isn't. He's like, I'll be the first one. Right. So I was, I was just like that kind of ego. And then come to find out that there is a challenges scaling a real estate wholesale business challenges, scaling a rehab buy, fix and flip business because of the labor, um, um, and uh, how much it costs to actually manage that. And uh, I think that was in that transitional phase where I met you, Chuck, as we were going through and we're rocking and rolling, churning and burning a bunch of transaction. Um, but what I still realized as the revenue game came up, the net amount that I was keeping wasn't big. And not too many people even knows, know this uh, uh, about it, where, you know, from the outside, it's like, damn, this guy, he's got to make money. We were making top line revenue, okay? But when we actually look at the net, net after, right, taxes, after payroll, after things, we're just like, dude, like, I can just be doing my own stuff, and I would actually be netting more money, you know, and without actually being stressed out about, like, all kinds of transaction. And long story short, um, you know, I ended up taking that route of uh, scaling down tremendously by, you know, let's just call it, you know, by luck or, you know, by grace of God. And um, since then, I kind of been behind the scenes, just figuring out different ways to be able to acquire deals um, by using heavily data. Um, that's something, obviously, I'm an Asian guy. So computer has been a thing that I grew up with. So um, and I, I and uh, I'm an introvert at heart. So this these these kind of stuff is I'm very not comfortable doing. Um, so I'd rather be behind the scene and behind the computer and then just kind of analyze a bunch of stuff and find pockets of opportunities to uh, pick deals, deals up and or sellers or buyers that other people are not going after. And then since then, just doing the same old thing. You know, well, let's let's talk about let's talk about what you're up to now. Mm -hmm. um, that was a long, long intro. So <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. Okay. Um, okay. 
what you're up to now, what we started talking about, you've always been a fan of, yeah. of data and, yeah. and uh, you know, privileged information and being able mm -hmm. to extract it and process it and make it, make it uh, really useful. Yeah. Can you talk to us about your, your new company, what you're doing now, what, what you're allowed to say about it? Yeah. So let me give you kind of context on, um, because I, I tend to use words and sometimes based on what the industry is using, uh, sometimes people will be like, what, what do you mean? So really the thesis I had was this, because I used to buy leads from a lot of places like Zerpo Z buyers, right? Even Zillow, you know, all kinds of places I can get my hands on. And it was a hit and miss. Um, whoa, what's up, Roman? Long time no talk. Uh, I saw that. And so it was a hit and miss. And so I was trying to figure out which lead sources or lead vendors are like the right or the best ones. And the easiest way I could figure out was just to be like, okay, how much does it actually cost for me to get a contact? Because right, if Zillow sends you something, you know, Z buyers, realtor.com, whatever it is that sends you something, they're sending you a what name, address, and a means to contact someone it being email, which was very popular, you know, in the 2000s. And now it's going towards more like phone numbers are like the holy grail, right? And you hope based on your money that you gave to a lead vendor, that exchange is that, hey, those people have a high propensity to do business with you, right? And so I said, screw all that. I'm just going to call a lead a means to contact someone. So then my brain started saying, okay, how the hell do I get phone numbers of people that might want to actually sell based on behavior, to, uh, you know, behavior. And so that led me to a deep rabbit hole where I realized there's like different data, data repositories, basically lead vendors, what they do behind the scenes. Right. And so I went deep first starting reading the actual contract you have to sign. Right. Because some people lock you into a one year contract, three months contract, a month to month. And you read the terms and services and there's like bits and pieces in there where you start figuring out like, oh, huh. These aren't really exclusive. These leads that they're giving you, they're exclusive for seven days. So what does that really mean? They're reselling the leads after this, the eighth day if someone doesn't try convert them. No wonder when I call them and I try to follow up, if they don't answer on the first one, they say they talked to three or four different people, you know, and it started like connecting the dots. And I said, screw this. Let me go ahead and um, get the phone numbers. And there's a slang term called skip tracing. Like I'm mm -hmm. like people that like investment world people know, and which is basically for people who like skip bail. Right. And so like they'll hire these bail bondsmen to find them or skip them down and they try to find where they work, where they you know go. So it's a slang term. But the idea it's commonly used in our industry is how to get phone numbers. And so you go down that rabbit hole and you come to find out that there's different layers of like quality of phone numbers. Okay, like for example, you have like white pages and Tilius, right? People use that to get phone numbers, been verified. Um, and those are considered, like I, ca I call them tier three data, um, which is literally like someone chucking a phone book at you. You know, some of them, it works. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. Okay, you can still make money using that. Um, but then you have a higher amount, which is tier two data. And the holy grail data is credit header quality data, which is people that fill out a credit application to say, hey, this is my best contact uh, number or contact email because they fill it on credit report. And if you get that, the chances of you matching a address and a property with that phone number and you actually getting a hit is super, super high. And so I started going down that, that rabbit hole. And then long story short, that started working really well. And uh, what I'm currently doing now and is working on a company called Ownerlytics, um, which is 
how can I say this? I started like taking a step back and looking at the industry as a whole. Um, I, I run a memes account um, called Leaders of Real Estate, right? And there's certain things on there that the industry kind of laughs about. And uh, um, which is like things like, oh yeah, you can't contact a listing agent because you want to make an offer. And if they say, oh yeah, I have three offers, you know, and then you put that on there. It's a picture of that. Like I have three offers and people are like, ha 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 ha, LOL. Yeah, right. No, they don't, you know? And, and cause it is so true, right? Like, like, like they, like, I don't know who it is, but somebody's teaching that shit, you know? So, Sorry. No, no, it's oh, totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. We're not on KK on that. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, so, and I hated that because those are some of the things that I would teach, right? Is that when you see a deal on the MLS, you pull up Zillow, you see how many deals they've done. You try to find out if they're A players, B players, C players, right? Because if they're A players, typically you're not talking to them directly. You're talking to someone else on their team, right? And then you try to find out how hungry they are and you try to figure out how much you can negotiate down, that kind of stuff. And so I started looking at that as a whole and I'm just like, dude, this is kind of insane. And so I shifted my mentality to be like, hey, I got to do what Zillow did, which is Zillow fundamentally looked at the industry and says, huh, we're going to serve the retail buyers and sellers by providing data that real estate agents literally had locked up in the MLS. Like when I did my first deal, I had the fax contracts, fax disclosure. It sucked, especially when you get that black line or something and someone can't read it. My old school people know that. Young folks won't know about that. Um, so I hated that. And then plus, if the deal was in a different MLS, you couldn't get comps. So you had to go through a real estate agent. But then Zillow just changed the whole game where now to a point where there's memes where people say, hey, picture of what Zillow says my house is worth. It's like a gorgeous house. And then they put another one says what my appraiser thinks it's worth, you know, and it's like a beat up ugly house, you know, implying that, you know, appraisers like beat your value down. And then there's a third house is just like, kind of like the regular nice house and says, this is what your house is worth, you know, and so contact me to find out what your home is worth, you know, some agents will use that as a hook. And I started looking at that. And I'm just like, that is kind of effed up as an industry as a whole that we laugh about those two things right? The offers and the values, you know? And then when I had a conversation with a big broker and I, you know, this idea of like ownerlytics, he was just like, do you really think that the numbers that Zillow give is that bad? And then I had to think about it objectively versus subjectively. And then that's when I was just like, if the consumer believes the value is true, why do we fight it? And that's when I started even changing my sales presentations. Right. And when you're talking to sellers, training acquisition people, telling, talking to sellers, right. And sellers say, my house is worth 400,000. You ask them, well, how'd you find out about that value? Well, I did my research on the internet. Ding, ding, ding's estimate. Right. And so a lot of times people will try to like upfront, try to be like, well, Zillow gets the value wrong. But no. And I said, my sales team, Hey, just agree with the damn number. Like, you know, you think that's worth agree with it, you know? And so that way you get past that and then try to schedule an appointment to go see it and actually give value afterwards. Right. And so as I started looking at all that, I was just like, what can I do and what genuinely sucks about the industry? And I said, the thing that absolutely sucks is a two negotiation you have to do in real estate, which is the first price and term when you write the offer. And then once you get it accepted based on all the shenanigans that you have to go through, right. Depending on how, you know, are they good? Are they not good? Right. The listing agent or the buyer's agent. Right. Then you get accepted. Then you got the actual what property negotiation when you do your inspection. And fundamentally, I just believe to the core that that is just wasted resources and time for all parties, consumers and actually especially consumers. 
right? Where you have to run inspection, you pay money out of your pocket to physically do all that. And then you find out that maybe the seller or the agent or whoever was, wasn't that quite honest about it or used the most fanciest pictures and did, you know, real estate catfishing, as I like to call it. Okay. And, um, and I just hated that. So ownerlytics is really like Carfax for homes that I'm developing, which is the Carfax for homes. Yeah. Carfax for home, the simplest way I can put it, um, which is to be able to allow consumers to get data that we know if you're like an investor, if you've been in the business a long time, like, you know, did someone die in the property, right? Instead of looking at a disclosure afterwards, you get accepted, right? Is there, uh, um, Megan's law, let's just say, right? Is there some type of predator around the corner, right? But but it's an easy way that you can see on there, you know, hey, property says that, hey, you know what, it was just recently rehabbed by a rehabber. Was it rehabbed by an actual professional rehabber or a Johnny Lunchbucket rehabber that went to some seminar and they didn't use and actually pull permits on? You know, wouldn't it be nice to be able to physically see that on one report and see, ah, there's some discrepancies there. So you don't waste time on that. You know, how about this one, right? Yeah, it's a rehab property, but is that rehabber been in business over, over 10 years? Why is that important? It's like the contractor industry, right? The roofing industry, you know, they're notorious for and the good market undercut everything, right? And do a shoddy job on it. And when the market turns, then they actually close the company down and then they relaunch a new LLC. Why? Because they get hit with a bunch of claims. So they're just like, hey, start start up a new company. So if you're if you're buying a house from a so-called developer rehabber that just recently started, what is the chances of you actually getting and recouping money when something happens, right? If the market turns. And so I started thinking about the future kind of like that, right? And then I was so I was just like, wouldn't it be cool to actually see, hey, these are legit builders that if you make a claim and says, hey, something went wrong, you can actually get it fixed. You know, and so so that's really what I'm working on, you know. So Jeff, um, let, let me yeah. let me jump in and ask you yeah. like uh, you know, we have a lot of realtors on here and data and and finding customers and converting customers is the biggest key mm -hmm. to the business, right? Yep. Uh, what kind of tips and really maybe what kind of do's and, and maybe better yet don'ts should people uh, know about when purchasing data or doing any kind of lead gen from, from your experience? The number one rule is trust but verify. And which is a probably a really good rule for most things. Um, and so here's what I mean by that is you're not going to know how good a lead is until you make contact, as I said earlier. So then you want to break the numbers down to the ridiculous and say, how much does it cost per contact? And then that's your KPI metrics for number one. And then from there, you can say, okay, that contact, I got 10 of these or 10 leads as some people sell it and says, hey, at least I got one appointment out of that. Right. And if it costs you a hundred bucks, then you can run your math and says, okay, now once I know how much per lead is, then you can actually strategically invest and test out different areas without trying to blow your whole marketing budget on one shop because they sold you a holy grail that this is going to actually transform your business and life like forever. You know, and so that's kind of the high level. But I think uh, you're asking more of like the below the line type of details on how is that a better yeah. Okay. So I'll give you one. Um, so a lot of data providers and I, and I'll be upfront, this is what we do. Um, we tap into a, a federal legislation. Um, it's called the freedom of information act. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but bottom line, I'll give you the simple version of it, which is it's to protect the people of this country um, from the government, not doing what they're doing. And so you as an individual, everyone on here has the right to request for certain data sets from government entities. 
And so there's two rules. And I tell people, you got to know both kind of like real estate. You have the federal, right? Rules you have to know. And then you have your state level, right? So if you're doing loans and NMLS, if you do, if you're a real estate agent, you have a license with the state, but you have to know fair housing, right? Federal, that kind of stuff. So when you're doing this type of lead generation, you have to know both federal and you have to know state. And so for California, it's called California Public's Records Act. And so you can tap into a database um, or data repository. So let me kind of now that's the context. Now, let me give you what, how you can do it, right? Like, for example, um, if the utility company is government-ran, all right, um, not too many places. Um, is most people here from California, first off? I, I think everybody is. Is it? Okay, so yep. then I should be California-specific. No, not everyone. Not everyone? We have, one, okay. we have one shaking no. Okay, maybe they put down where they're at. So, like, in other states, like, like utility companies are with uh, um, it's government rent. So you can contact those utility companies and be like, Hey, give me all the single family homes that our waters are turned off in the last 30 days. Now there's only a couple of reasons why a water will be turned off. Well, number one, oh, vacant. yeah, vacant and, or they didn't pay the bills. Okay. Or a tenant moved out. Right. But vacant at the end of the day. Right. Or water busted or something like that. Right. If it's in the wintertime, you know, you got mm -hmm. winterized the pipes and stuff like that. And so um, you can put a request in and get that data set. Now, when they give you the data set, that data set's going to be um, actually Texas will work really well in Texas, actually. Um, that's a heads up. Um, so you can get that data set, but they're only going to give you an APN or an address. And this is where you got to do some data and some research and then manually get the phone number. Now, when you have that, now you have a legitimate way to be able to contact that individual, the owner, the investor, or the person that lives there and be like, hey, by the way, just want to see if you wanted to sell your property um, or if you possibly even thought about selling your property. Why? Because there's a need there. And if they say, well, why would you say that? Well, our system showed that, hey, our research showed that your water was turned off. So I wasn't sure if something happened or if there's something maybe you need a contractor because your water pipe busted. Um, hey, you know, you're looking to rent it out or if there's something going on or you're, you know, what, what's happening? And at least you can start a conversation there. Right. And so that's one way. Um, if you're in California, um, specifically, you know, go to your like city, like you can go to like Burbank. Okay. And then go to the open request form and put in abatement. So the term, the, the, the slang, yeah, there's slang terms. It's open request form or public records act, right? Probably the easiest ones put like open request form in the search bar at the, like the city website or the county website. And they'll actually have a form on there that you fill out and they'll ask you what kind of data set you want. And then you put something like abatement or something like that. Um, and they'll give you a list of properties that the city said, hey, your house is effed up and you got to do something with it, you know? And then you append that. And then you know that there's some type of, something's going on, you know, with the property, typically financially uh, um, on the property. And then at least Funny, that's the motivation. I, I was going to ask you for tips like that. Yeah. Leora and I were talking about that before. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is exactly the kind of tips that, yeah. that, um, that anyone can literally go and apply that yeah. to their business today, tomorrow. Yeah. Here's another one, right? So that's kind of on the seller side. But the challenge of that, right? And this is where you have to kind of think both above the line and below the line, right? Which is which is the, the, the below the line, is, it's great, right? But then let's just say all of you guys go in one shot and you go to the one city. There's a problem there. This is no different than expired leads, which is now you have a floodgate of same individuals trying to hammer an actual person. One of you guys will get it. Trust me, somebody yeah. will get it. But then that's still a problem. I don't like to compete. OK, like people use like business like, oh, yeah, you know, you shouldn't come. Well, if that's the case, then why would the government say, hey, monopolies are bad? 
You know, like, right. like you should, you should strive to create a monopoly. I can't stress that enough. This is not my thesis. There's a gentleman named Peter Thiel that actually um, uh, talks about this. Uh, he's one of the, um, if you know Elon Musk, it was kind of like, he's the other guy, right? That people don't really know, Peter Thiel. And he talks about it on, on, on called monopolies. And a true business is a monopoly, the one that scales and you do well. A lot of businesses are not, they don't have a competitive edge. So then they have to actually use flowery things to stick out from, from uh, the noise, right? Like, hey, I can sell your house for top dollar because I have this accreditation, this thing. I have this three-letter letters in my signature. I've been a top producer. I've done this. I got this accreditation. I've done this volume. I know this, right? And you have to use that. But you don't necessarily have a monopoly. And someone can always knock you off in a certain way if they're smart enough, right? You're not insulated. You're not in a moat, you know? So then you have to continuously hunt for different ways to stay ahead of the curve. And which is huge and which is kind of the thing that they talk about in real estate all, all the time, especially sales, right? Like, hey, stay ahead of the curve, this new widget, this new website, do, do, do this, this style right. of lead generation. And it's, it's, and, and it's not sustainable, in my opinion, until you create a moat, which is your database. Now, if you have a database, now there's different ways you can hack, hack the database to be able to pull leads out. So that's kind of above the line. Let me give you a different below the line for folks, right? So imagine you need some listings or you have some buyers, especially right now because uh, market's super, super, like there's no properties, right? It just flies off the freaking, especially at a retail level. So if you have buyers and they're just like, I can't find properties for you, right? What you can do is use that public records form and then go to the building and safety, submit a form and ask for stick figure the most recent certificate of occupancy okay now if you get that typically once like if if they're how can i say this um if they're a seasoned developer all right they will only list the property like a week or two weeks after they get the certificate of occupancy why because they still have to stage it they still have to do some other things right in it and so if they're not then they might overlap the timeline but the point is, if you can get that document, typically it is not listed. So then if you can get the owner or the developer directly, how easy would it be to be like, hey, by the way, I know you just finished up this property. Are you looking to sell this property? And what, about reverse, what about reverse engineering that a step further? Because like you mentioned, if they're seasoned, but if they're yeah. not seasoned, a lot of people start uh, already making their relationships, you know, leading up to the CFO. Mm -hmm. um, but what about, you know, you just gave me an idea of getting yeah. the data of just new building, new building yeah. permits, which yeah. is very easily accessible. Yep, I, I you got it. Not too long ago. And then timing it. Right. So if you yeah. know that it's a single family residence, timing it mm -hmm. six months later, reaching out and at least starting to develop a relationship. Have you tried that? Have you done that? I used to do it that way. Yeah. So versus now it's kind of like. It's just easier to be like, hey, you're about to sell it. Hey, I got someone. Let me get get, get a first crack at it. Yeah. You know, and so it's so it's so it varies, right? Like you, like like there's so many ways once you understand the concept on how you can cut up the data, then you can I, I hope I hope menu. you guys are are this is huge right now, what he's talking about, because there is no competition there. Yeah. And then I'll give you nobody, kind of like nobody's a, doing it this way. Yeah. And I'll give you kind of like a most recent one. Right. As we went into COVID lockdown. Right. So the 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 kind of like, you know, how like if anyone runs a sales team, you'll know this is that you started hearing kind of like noise from chirping. Right. Where people are you know talking about stuff. And and it is so important to control the actual uh, uh, the cadence of your sales team. Right. So I started getting the vibe. And then from 
I started hearing like, oh yeah, Jeff doesn't got Jeff doesn't have it anymore. Right. And he's all like, this, nobody has seen this before. You know, you can't do lead generation in this marketplace. Right. Like I started hearing that, you know, and then I'm just like, okay. And so we do a zoom meeting and that's the vibe I got. You know, I can see that they're deflated state went into lockdown. Right. I just signed a five-year lease at a new office. I moved to right on that Saturday. Um, and so I can tell that following week, the team is deflated. And then I'm just like, okay, I got to change this. And so what I did was I said, you know what, let's find out who's actually buying. Right. And then, so I took all the cash buyers and then ended up, I got on the phones and then ended up having conversation with these people. Right. And then saying, Hey, are you still buying? Are you doing this? Now keep in mind that this is, I'm updating my SOP for my sales sales team. So then I had it recorded. And so the reason why I did that is one, most of them were buying the people that were, I call them second rodeo investors, right? People who felt the last crash and then going through the people that have never felt this before, they were like freaking like the F out, like, oh my gosh. And it was scary times. Don't get me wrong. Okay. It was genuine because we didn't have the info and data on what the hell is really going on. Okay. But remember, there's a difference between fear and danger, right? So there's ways that you can protect yourself um, and making sure you don't catch it, but it doesn't mean that you have to be in fear. Right. Okay. And so once we had that and I started doing that training with my team, they started getting it. They were just like, oh, okay. These people legitimately talk to you still. And I was like, good. And I started changing the narrative narrative on our sales team. And I went above further. And this is called a gatekeeper strategy that you want to use with data. You might want to write this down for anyone paying attention. There's a book called um, The Ultimate Sales Machine, um, which is written by a gentleman named Chet Holmes. Look him up. And if you don't know who Chet Holmes is, you might know the guy that calls him the, the best marketer ever, which is a gentleman named Charlie Munger. Um, Charlie Munger, if you don't know who he is, he's the business partner of Warren Buffett. And so he passed away now, Chet Holmes. Um, but what he did is he tripled sales for companies that he acquired. And so one of the key strategy he talks about is to look at lead generation, not as a direct, hey, you know what Chuck wants to sell. So I'm just going to go after you directly. You know, you want to go after a gatekeeper first, right? And then build a relationship with a gatekeeper so they can send you business. So you can do the exact same thing with data by understanding how data works. And so I said, ah, okay, you can go the relationship ways or you can go after properties that, you, that no one else is targeting. So this is where I call the land campaign come into play, okay? Which is you purposefully market for land. I know it sounds ridiculous because when I tell this, sometimes people are like, I don't do land. You don't make no money on land. No, you market directly to land. Why? Because people who have land usually owns other real estate, right? It's not like they just have a land and they have a teepee on there and they're just like Kumbaya and that's where they live. No, they have like a single family home. You know, they were planning to do something with it, right? Themselves, like they were going to retire on it or maybe they inherited or they were going to develop as invest, whatever it is, they got land. And so this is where the land campaign came into place. I said, screw it, man. You go wide and just market all towards the land, append that. And then your calls just start like, like, like the amount of people that will talk to you when you say, hey, I'm interested in buying your land or I'm interested in I got a buyer for your land, you know, because nobody markets to it. And so like, finally, this dump, this dirt that I have to actually physically been paying property taxes for. And every summer I have to send somebody out to cut the damn weeds because it's growing. Right. Like, like, like they get excited, you know. And so then you start talking to them, you know, and you're just like, hey, dude, so what's your take on the market? So that's what I was doing. Like, hey, what's your take on the market? And then they'll tell you, be like, oh, yeah, I think my take is this. I think my take is that. And what you'll find out is those people, they weren't scared of what was going on during this time.
during the whole COVID, the first week, the second week, they weren't afraid. You know, they were just like, no, we're staying put. You know, we're making sure we're not going out because we don't know how bad how bad it is. I don't want to catch. I'm on the older side, right? But we're going to stay put and uh, we're going to see how the chips may fall. And if there's opportunities, send it to me. I'm still buying. And I'll be like, how much you got? And they'll be like, oh yeah, for this small portion, half a million, a million dollars, you know? And they'll say stuff like that. And so like getting that and then like having my team listen to that, that really empowered them, you know? They're like, oh crap, you know? One made me feel good. Cause I was like, I still got it, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff didn't lose it, you know? <laughs> um, but but more importantly, they I think they gave them power and knowing that, hey, people are actually moving. Because if you were at that time, anytime during that time, if you were on like social media or even watching the news, it was like, holy shit, the sky is falling and then we're all gonna fucking die. You know, like it was just bad, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, so did that help? I, like I just gave yeah, a bunch so of stuff. I, and I, I mean, sure. I, I hope yeah. people are, yeah. are, are catching what you're saying yeah. because to, uh, that that's genius information. Uh, that everybody can execute immediately tomorrow. Yeah. I actually yeah. wanted to ask you though. You you mentioned team, right? And when you started, uh, you know, with all these ideas and concepts, yeah. I'm sure you were a one man show. Mm-hmm. What what was the first team member that you uh, that you brought on? What what was the first help you needed? Uh, my assistant. Well, and yeah, and how good. how how do you acquire your talent? What do you look out for? I do a huge. Um... I use profiling. Um, I know that, that that term sounds bad right now when I use it. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so I, I look like at disc disc profiling. <laughs> disc, but I use one in particular called the Colby test. Okay. Um, so people don't know it, but they'll know the father, the creator of this. Like, um, um, does anyone know what the Wonderlick test is? Like if you're a football f- football uh, player, like you like football. So so this is a test that people do right before uh, the draft. The NFL draft. It's called the Wonderlick test. And uh, um, the gentleman, and there's a story, you know, the greatest quarterback actually scored super high on the Wonderlick test, but he was drafted like way, way in the back. And, you know, um, some people love that team. Some people don't. Um, gentleman name is Tom Brady. Okay. And um, he became one of the greatest players. So the daughter um, of that Wonderlick test, his name is Kathy Colby, created something called the Colby test, which is a conation test, which is not a, a cognitive test, but it's like, when you're working, have you ever had it where like your day goes by, but not in like a bad way. It's like, holy smoke, I got a lot of stuff done. I can't believe it. And you're just kind of like, like, you know, and then you like strive for that. You're just like, how can I be in that zone? Some people call it zone, right? I say, I think I saw Michael Jordan in the back, right? Um, the pictures in there. And so to be in that zone, you know, and so to be in that, you have to understand how do you feel alive? And the Colby test does that on how you gather information. Are you proactive on gathering information? If that is the case, then you're considered a high fact finder. Or do you only gather information when, when something like chaotic happens? You know, that means your lower score on a fact finding. Do you physically uh, uh, have a considered like a risk taker? If that's the case, then you're just considered a quick start, right? You can do things without the whole picture. You don't have to see the whole stairs and the staircase to take your first step, you know? And so there's this different scores that you can take. So I bring on team members that complement my weakness. Like Chuck will know some of our guys that I've worked with in the past. I have something called a low uh, 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 fact finding, right? So I only go search for facts when I'm in a chaotic state. 
like there's high level stress or something like that, you know? And so when I'm comfortable, I don't go and search for stuff. So then my acquisition teams, I had to structure in a way with people with high fact finding. So they can get me all the information of a good deal, bad deal, that kind of stuff. And then they come to me when the deal goes sour or something or something's not going right. You know, and so my assistant I first got, um, she has super high fact finding, mid-level follow through um, and a super low quick start. And why? Because I call it like I'm, I'm the guy in the jungle with the machete and I just like chop stuff up and then I just like chuck stuff behind me. And then I have to have people like behind me, like place it in right places. So um, so I do that. Um, and then the second thing I do is uh, Meyer Briggs test. Um, you know, so you want to know based on that personality type, uh, who they are, um, what they're good at. Um, so you don't put people in the wrong places, you know? Um, and those are really the two things that I use heavily, um, when, uh, I hire, when I try to put people in the right place. And every single time I've went against that, it has been very painful. Yeah. So I'm sure Chuck, you, you and I probably have a ton more questions, but I, I, you know, this is so valuable. I want to open it up. Uh, for everybody else to start kind of picking the brain here. Uh, so if anybody has a question, raise your hand or uh, type it in the box if you're uh, not on video and uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and get your questions out there. Who'd like to start? All right, let's see, we got Katie. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Hi I'm Katie. Um, I have a question. Um, do you have any advice Hi, how to work um, buyer leads that I got from Facebook. I got a lot of them, but I was only able to convert just one, I would say out of a hundred. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any advice how to like better, you know, how to have a better conversion ratio? Gotcha, okay. Like, to, so, like a strategy? Mm -hmm. Got it, I got it, I got it. So let me make sure, uh, let me repeat back what I said. So you got, you do lead generation. Do you generate the leads yourself paying for online ads or you have someone else doing it? No, I do it myself. Okay, good. So how much is it? So you got to first figure out how much did it cost you to get that hundred contacts and what type of contacts well, did you get? Did you get an email or did you get a phone number? Both. Good. And then does the phone number all work? They just don't answer or what's the challenge there? Yeah, most of them don't answer. Gotcha. Okay. So they might just be tire kickers, but what you can easily do right now is to take that contact list. This is for anyone else that has phone numbers or old lists, right? Take that contact list, put it on an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. And then upload that into your smartphone as a contact. Okay. As a contact. And then you go to like social media, um, like Instagram, like Facebook and whatever it is. And there's a button on there. I don't care what social media platform they are because they want your data. Okay. There's a button on there that says contact sync. And then you hit that contact sync button. And then guess what they get? They get to say, Hey, Katie wants to follow you. Katie follows this person and it just sends all outbounds to them. And that's what you want to do. And then, so now there's just like, you called, but then suddenly what Katie followed me. They didn't even answer. You, you might freak them out a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, so, but I think it will work for you. Um, you know, so just be, you know, so you can do that and then post content on there and that'll probably work. Um, I think that's the most actionable thing you can do right now. Um, okay. Outside of that, you might, like, I don't know the means when you call, do you leave a message? Do you rotate your phone numbers? Are you calling from your cell phone? Are you like, what are you doing? Yeah, I usually call from my cell phone. And uh -huh. then the next day, I usually text from the same uh -huh. phone number. And then okay. the next day I email and I put them on the drip, uh, drip campaign. Okay. Um, if it's email, um, 
the drip, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of drip. I would just do what I like to call um, uh, the F, FYI email or hey email. So in the subject line, you just put hey, and then you put one letter. Are you still looking to whatever that thing they opted in for? Are you mm-hmm. still looking to buy or sell? That's the most knocked off uh, email campaign um, in the space of real estate. I'll take I'll take claim for that. Um, uh, yeah, I actually sent over an 11, uh, sorry, a million emails in one year with that campaign. So, um, um, but if you send that to your list, um, they'll respond back. They'll either say F off right? You might get that definitely. Or they might just say, yes, I'm still interested. Then now at least you can engage in a conversation or they'll say no, but either way, at least you got mm-hmm. them to respond, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did that help? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank okay. you. That's some great coaching right there. All right. Who's, who's next? Who else has a question? I actually, I actually wanted to ask a question before we open it up and it's, um, is there something that you're seeing out there that like blows your mind. Like, oh my God, how are agents not using this? Like TikTok mm-hmm. or I don't know, like a Zillow chat or something, <laughs> LinkedIn meetup, you know, things that are just available to everybody, anybody who um, just not using it, just sleeping on it. I think I said it, which is the government data, the data repositories. Yeah, it's, it's like, there's so many ways, like here, I'll give you some different ways, right? So if you're a lender, say there's a hero programs right for special loans they only work for certain occupations so imagine if you're a real estate agent and you work with the uh, someone that does loans and they specialize that or they're like i like to do that what if you can actually just get contact information for nurses you can do that they have an actual state license so you can actually turn to the state and says give me everyone's contact information of anyone that has a that's a nurse a doctor right? You want to raise money, raise it from doctors, you can do that. And so you can then get the actual home address, you get their full name, depending on what state it is, they'll actually have their phone number or even their email on there that they'll give it to you. And then boom, you got yourself some leads and now go down the list and be like, hey, do you own or rent, right? And you can find out we got the special program for nurses, you know, that can do X, Y, and Z, you know, you can do something like that. Another way is uh, we tested out during uh, COVID is I call it the restaurant owner campaign. So we pulled up uh, um, business owners that run has restaurants by looking at business licenses at the at the local level, right? Because we knew they were slammed once they said, hey, you did the so so we were just like, you know what, let's shotgun and get every single, you know, restaurant owners and blanket and see if they if they possibly wanted to uh, refi or take out money uh, during this time. And we got people to bite about bite on that. But what ended up happening, I come to realize, and we tested this and we found this out, is that obviously with the government stimulus and stuff like that, they didn't move as fast. We did have people that been through like these cycles before. So they just went cash grabbed everything, right? When that happened and closed out, they were cash grabbing, like, let's refi, take every single damn dollar I can, just in case this thing lasts for 24 months or more, you know? And so we did that, but that's actually a license. Another way you can do it is... um, We've worked with people that are in, in, in areas where there's boats, right? Like coastal boat properties, right? So then people are just like, okay, how do you market to that? Well, easy. So if you want that property, multi-million dollar property, they got to have boats most of the time. How easy is it then to go and go get the business license of a boat owner and then go append that? And now you got a contact for a boat. It says, hey, by the way, I saw you got a new boat. You want a new house with that? You know, obviously you don't want to talk to them like that, you know, be a little bit more tact, you know, has a little more tact, more style to it. Right. But you can do that. Okay. 
Um, other ways are people like with horses, same thing. Like, you know, like I didn't know this, like you got to register your horse. Like I was like, Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. You know? And so you can do the exact same thing with that. So anything you can think of that requires a state level license, a federal license, you have the ability to get that. Now it is your job to figure out and marry what your uh, skill sets are. Right. And expertise, and then be able to then go after that. Right. Like, I, you know, so, so, that was a long-winded answer. I'm, I'm not sure. That, Actually, uh, question regards to like nurses, doctors, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, where were you saying to get that information from? Uh, state. Your state. Like California. online? Uh -huh, online, yeah. There's a website. You can Google. Wherever you do your state. Wherever the license is issued. Yeah. So whoever the okay. issuer of the actual uh, license. So Jeff, Chuck, Chuck usually likes to ask this question, but how can how can the realtors in our in our community engage with you directly? At what level could there be interaction? Um, they can message me on, I guess, social media. I'm not as active, but yeah, you can definitely do that. Um, yeah. Or maybe in the group. How about that? That might be better, right? Ask a question in the group. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> then I'll, t I'll take like a day, like day out of the week or something like that. And I'll, I'll try to answer. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a question here from Rachel. She's asking if you have to pay for that data for, for that data. Uh, depends. Some is yes. Some is no. Right. So certain, certain places. Yes. You have to pay. Like I'll, I'll give you a funny story on this. So um, one state, I won't say what state um, some states are really behind on getting these leads. Um, so we have to actually physically fax in a form, the open request form, right to them and it got became a pain in the butt you know to fax it in so i ended up like this is a client of mine i ended up creating a like a fax merge mail merge fax right and so you merge in the name and the address because it's just like hey we were requesting this data and we wanted to like set up on the schedule so we ended up doing this and i was just like you know what screw that they want us to like send in one form i'll send in i'll jam up their fax machine right and so we just slammed them to that point where they hated us for doing it, but then within a year, they finally hired some people to actually give access online. That's you know, good. So, so, you know, stuff like that, like you can for sure do. Yeah. That's good. Um, I say we go into uh, some of uh, our weekly wins because uh, we try to keep this around 30 minutes. Okay. And Is it already 30 have, minutes? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. People yeah. have so much. We're 40, 47 minutes in. Well, Chuck, you're the boss, so go ahead. Lead the way. Um, I haven't even really thought of um, – of any wins yet, but why don't we go to Jeff? Let me, yeah. I think, I, yeah, you guys don't ask me about this. Yeah. So the first thing popped in my mind was I finally got the damn permits for, for a pool. So, you know, so that was cool. Cause they were just like backlogged and long story short, it was just, it, it was a nightmare on that. So, so that was cool. Um, yeah. It's always a win when you actually get that. For so. pool. Good timing. Yeah. Good timing. Yeah. Dealing with 110 degrees today. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Who, who in our who in our group would like to share a win from this week? Could be business, could be personal, anything to finish on a positive note. Nobody. All right. Raise your hand if you do. Oh, I've got I've got a win I can share. I actually just compiled uh, four multifamily um, projects, development projects. Um, that are all just like aligned, like soldiers, all locked, secured, ready to go. So um, 
I've I've got them. I should actually share them in the group if anybody has developers that they want to try and Where's it at? with. Where's yeah. it at? Uh, I've got one in Silver Lake. I've got um, one in North Hollywood to build uh, 38 units, zoned R4. I've got one in Toluca Lake, vacant lot, permits paid, 12 condos um, on Riverside Drive. On Riverside. I've got one in Opportunity Zone on New Hampshire and L.A. Mm-hmm. You know any developers? I know you know them all, so if you want to so. pass it along. <laughs> there you go. Making connections already. Well, I'm not going to share a win. I usually do, but I'm going to use this uh, platform as everybody here should um, to put something out there that maybe I can get some help with. Our uh, our office has been slammed with transactions and we are desperately looking for anybody that is a naturally good salesperson. They do not have to have any experience in mortgage. We'll teach them everything they need to know. But if anybody knows of anyone that you can recommend that is just naturally good in sales, um, that's looking for work, that wants to be busy, we can keep them busy. Please let us know. Okay. I, I'm, I'm pretty committed to finding you someone just because people are always asking me. Um, I think I can find you someone, but hopefully someone else could hear. Roman knows everybody too. All right. It looks like Steve. Uh, Steve would like to say something. You are unmuted, Steve. Go ahead. I've got a staging recommendation. I'm looking for a stager at uh, a very, very reasonable price. Stagers. If anybody needs stagers, Steve has someone. Yep. Okay. Well, I hope everyone here is uh, part of the Rubbing Elbows uh, uh, Facebook uh, private group. We have like 22, 2300 members there and we're uh streaming this on there too so if you want to add comments or anything you can write that in there um i said we wrap it up i want to thank you hang Jeff. on a second hang on i think uh i think our duo over there has something they'd like to say hi Sabine. Um, i'm answering uh, quickly about the uh first of all thank you for this great talk jeff you're really inspiring i love your attitude very lovely. I was laughing about your videos. Just wanted to mention that the thingy of the day or the thingy of the week, you know. <laughs> I like you. It's great. Very nice. Very um, enchanting. Um, answer about the stagers. I used to work with a very good staging company in Southgate, uh, Meredith Bear. And Meredith Bear basically started a company off of somebody else that I work with in the same field, Lisa Price Interior, Priceless Interior. She does staging as well. Um, both ladies are amazing and I know them and they do a great job and they have their own warehouse with all things. Um, so if anybody needs a contact to that, I can do that. Awesome. Thank Wonderful. You. Thank you for sharing that. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you again so much for being uh, a part of this. You know, I, I speak very, very highly of you. Um, you're just, you're the man. And uh, I thank you again so much for being here. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, have a productive day, productive week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Jeff, I'm going to get you offline. We're going to talk about some data. All right, cool. Give me a holler. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, ladies.